I think we might be on a slight delay here, folks. You know, gotta love technology. But we are on. And we're gonna do a little soundy sound check, make sure that I'm coming in. Um, no echoey, none of that. But today, Nathan, what's up, brother? What's going on? It's been a while. It has, Pablo. It's so good to be back on with you, man. I just love talking Bible prophecy with you and current events, and it's an honor to be on again. It, this is good. We're going to have a good time. The last time you were on was, I think, April. I was going to check. I don't have my my browser window right now, but um, I was going to check. I think it was April, like seven or eight months ago. It's been too long. Lots happened, right? You you have you you have a lot. you have two letters added to you have a a what is that is that a, a prefix right or just tell us about the two letters that got added to your name now in these months. Oh, okay, you're talking about my doctor. Yeah. Yes, yes. I have after three and a half years of toil and labor, I finally got my doctorate in evangelistic apologetics. So wow. yes, thank you. I'm yeah. Now Doctor Nathan Jones. Doctor so. Jones. Praise the Lord, Doctor Jones. Yes, it's very kind of like that Indiana Jones, but without the hat <laughs> and the whip. You don't have the yeah. whip, right? You got to hang a whip right right behind you and go, or you know what? That'd be kind of cool if you guys did a little segment, Indiana Jonesies. So good. We don't well, have an I, echo. It's good. I do have my fedora though from my TGI Fridays uh, waitering days. I could wear that. Oh, That's about were it. you a waiter at TGIF? Oh man, many moons ago, long, <laughs> long, long, long time ago. That is great. So you carried a ton of plates with you. Like, were you one of those guys? Oh yeah, man. No oh. trays there. You have to like balance them all. Yeah. So did you ever fumble? Sometimes, you know, you you you'd be eventually you got better at it. You know. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, I always say I remember when I I went to visit um, northern. Let me see, Northern Arizona and Flagstaff, there's this little place called Oregano's. I don't know if it's still there or not, but they served a ravioli, no joke. It was like that big. Oh, it, was, it was just one ravioli. And I remember my sister, my brother-in-law, we went to that little restaurant and we ordered our drinks. And the table behind us actually was just kind of right off to the side. They they ordered, it was a big party. And the guys come in with the tray like this, round tray, just chock full of drinks, sodas and Cokes and Dr. Pepper. And he's coming over, and I see it just start to do one of these. <laughs> the guy does, wham! Oh, did I just got bathed in soda? Bathed oh, in soda. No. So oh, no. they were kind enough to give me a sweatshirt that said oregano's on it. I don't know what I ever did with it, but I got bathed in soda. Yeah. So it's a hard job to to all of you that are waiters or waitresses. Hats off to you. My wife did that through college too. So. Um, Folks, this is good to see everybody on. This is great. Um, you know, I always like finding out where where everybody's from. So if that's cool with you, Nathan, let's um always like to take a little gander to uh to see. Yeah, I was sticky. Lisa D, one of our moderators. She's back from Israel. And uh I bet it was a great trip. She went with Pastor Tom uh on the trip to Israel. I'm sure it was really, really good. So um, and then of course. Faithful, Ruthie Price, our other moderator, they, they both do fantastic. Ruthie, you've been doing a really, really good job too. So hats off to the moderators. Thumbs up too. Um, so let's see. We got uh, Kansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Pensacola, Florida. There we go. We got three from South Africa. That is so cool. Uh, Maryland, Illinois. We got, there we go. Dallas, Texas, your, um, your neck of the woods. 
And um, so from all over North Dakota, Ohio, um, this is so cool. I love asking. Oh, monkey got the flu. Bummer, man. We'll have to pray for monkey. Hey, listen, everybody. I'm so glad to have you guys on. Um, I wanted to just take a minute, Nathan, if that's cool with you. And I have my note here somewhere. So if I'm fumbling around, if you guys hear papers, that's me fumbling for my note. And here it is. Um, you know what? Uh, there's yada yada, our faithful from the Netherlands. Um, and you know what? And Northern Ireland, too. We got Joan from Northern Ireland. So we've got the UK. Um, hey, listen, Nathan, can we take uh, a minute here and pray for our brothers and sisters? I got a note yesterday that um, we have some some brothers and sisters even here on the chat that um, are struggling to... Uh, well, they can't pay the gas bill, and it's we know the situation in Europe, and it's very, very difficult to to warm up, and uh, that really breaks my heart because a lot of that has to do with pathetic politics. And mm -hmm. so, um, if you wouldn't mind, would you mind lifting our brothers and sisters up in Europe and wherever around the world that that are struggling, that the Lord would provide this winter? That would be great if you don't mind. Absolutely, absolutely. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your great love for your people. We know, Lord, that uh, you prophesied that we would be going to difficult times leading up to your return. And so, Lord, for all those who are suffering in Christ, we do lift them up to you, Lord. We pray for your protection and safety, uh, your provision, especially this winter. Lord, a lot of people are going to go cold, uh, have to choose between gas or food. I, it's getting rough out there. And that's not even considering the third world countries, Lord, that are really suffering. Yeah. Lord, you know our plight. You know that we need our Messiah. And so, Lord, we call out to you, please, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, in your precious and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I want to encourage everybody. We're the body of Christ. Hey, Britt Gillette is on. Do you know Britt? I do. He was on our television show, Christ and Prophecy, once. Hello, Britt. Hey, Britt. What is going on, brother? Say, everybody say hi to Britt. And um, I was going to say, you know what? The great thing about all of us fellowshipping here, including um, Nathan, is the fact that we could lift each other up. Uh, as the body of Christ, and that is so cool. You know, we lean on one another, especially during these times, and uh, I love the fact that we can come before um, the throne of Almighty God and lay our requests, lay our needs down before Him, and uh, we all intercede for one another, and God hears every single one of our prayers. So, um, Nathan, let me uh, get to some housekeeping, like I had said in the beginning. If that's cool with you, you good with that? All right, it's your show, man. let's do I'll this. Uh, it's all good. Let's do this. All right, folks. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole ton of time like I did yesterday, but I want to quickly go over. Uh, this is the Serpents and Doves website. I would just strongly encourage you guys to share the site with as many people as you can, um, because there is a lot of great content on here. A lot of fabulous guests like Nathan today. Um, Lee, I had Lee on yesterday, but um, nonetheless, this is, uh, this is a labor of love. If you guys feel led to help out, um, you can do so by donating the buttons right here on the top right-hand side. And what I'm going to do quickly is just kind of share with you guys really, really fast. I know um, I got people that were asking me different ways that they could um, donate to the ministry. Well, one of them is here directly on the site, which is through uh, the company I use. It's not PayPal. So we got I got rid of PayPal. And um, the other one, some people do not feel comfortable using their cards and they've asked me if they could send in a check. You could do that right there as well. 
And I've had requests for Zelle. And then there's the email for Zelle that um, if anybody wants to use that, they could do that as well. So enough of that. Moving on. This is why we're here. Nathan, this is a beautiful site. You guys just redesigned this recently? Yeah, my associate, Stephen Stuffelbein, and I have spent the last few months uh, modernizing our website. Uh, we got a good six years out of the last one, which is very old for our website. And now uh, we've updated Christ in Prophecy to have a new look and feel, but it's the same wonderful content that we always want to give people. Uh, we have many articles and videos, uh, social media, e-newsletter, a blog. Uh, we just want to equip people with the knowledge that Jesus Christ is coming soon and catch the enthusiasm we have for it. So we invite folks to check out our website at ChristInProphecy.org. Amen. And you guys want, um, you could sign up here for their bi-weekly e-newsletter. It's really easy. It's literally right below their header. Um, well, the slider here, it's right below that. And um, it's chock full, like Nathan just said, really, really, really good information, resources that you guys, I strongly encourage everybody to go check out the Christ and Prophecy Show as well. And um, wow, that's cool. Whose book is that? That you? No? Yeah, that's the uh, newest book that uh, Terry Jane just edited and I contributed to along with our director, Tim Moore and Dr. David Reagan. It's called Trajectory. Tracking the Approaching Tribulation Storm. Just came out recently. Uh, I highly recommend I think it's one of the better books I've contributed to with Terry. And uh, folks want to know uh, all the different political uh, threads that are all heading towards a one-world government. Uh, trajectory really hits on a lot of those threads. Very cool. And we're going to kind of talk about where we're headed, I guess. That would be trajectory. We're going to talk about where we were, where we're at. Um, you know, I kind of joked around. I thought this was good. You guys had this convergence conference, and you had... Uh, you had Klaus Schwab speak there, Xi Jinping, Biden. That was great that you guys were able to get that. Just it was, kidding. It's kind of hard to get them, but uh, you know the, the leaves <laughs> in Pennsylvania were so beautiful, they wanted to come out and see them. Um, another thing, folks, if you guys want to download their app, the Lamb and Lion Ministries app, you could do so here. And again, here are all the socials, their blogs, podcasts. Again, there's no reason not to have great, great, solid material when it comes to not only the Bible, but also what the Bible has to say about the end times. Also, their uh, YouTube channel, I encourage you guys to go over there. If you're not subscribed, subscribe. There's some great content. And uh, their Instagram, this is kind of cool. Do you guys post little tidbits in here? Oh, yeah. We have an Instagram account, uh, Pinterest, of course, Facebook, and Twitter. Now that uh, Elon Musk owns Twitter, people might finally start seeing our tweets again. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. So... That was a lot, I know. A um, lot of good stuff, right? So, all right. I say we get started. Okay, so Britt gave you guys props. He said, great newsletter. Christ and Prophecy is a great resource. So, Britt, oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, Britt, you're solid too. And 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 uh, for everyone out there, if you haven't gone and subscribed to Britt's YouTube channel, go check it out. I also, I know that I have Nathan on, but we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, Britt wrote some great books, and I highly recommend Britt's books, too. I do have those linked with the show I did with Britt, and Britt, you're going to come on again soon here, brother. So, um, cool. How about we get we get started? How about we do that? Let's do that. Folks, um, for today's, today's show is kind of scripted and unscripted, and why I say that is because I really had a hard time trying to figure out what direction to go um, when... Well, with having Nathan on, Nathan, you're a plethora of information. I know we've covered a whole lot of information on our previous podcast we did, 
And um, I kind of wanted to, to really do an update, really where we were as a nation, as a world, where we currently are. And I know a lot of you guys see where we're at now, um, but I, the rabbit hole goes really, really deep in regards to how bad things are, how bad things are going to get. And of course, like, you know, Terry James's book, Trajectory, where we're headed as well. And that's not a good place where we're headed as a world. But on the flip side of that, for the believer, it is a great place where we're going to go. So, um, Nathan, what are your thoughts on, as in, let's start here stateside. Where do you, what are your thoughts on where we were as a nation? I know uh, Dr. Reagan talks quite a bit about that. I'm sure you've done extensive research. How is it that we differ as a nation where we're at now than where we actually were? Well, I think just 10 years ago, you could express your opinion and people would say, oh, you have a different opinion than I do. And let's talk about it. Now with the leftism or as it's constantly changing PC or political correctness now titled wokeism, it'll probably be a new title in another year or two. You can't say anything without being called a hateful, mindless, transphobic, homophobic, you name it, bigot, just to shut you up. Uh, yep. Not very American. Uh, even jobs. It used to be you could be a Christian and go out and get kind of any job you needed to get. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, if you have certain political or religious views, well, you will likely not get a job as uh, ESG scores are being inflicted upon companies uh, yeah. where they basically have to buy into wokeism or they uh, will be banned. Uh, they're using censorship really to force Christians and other companies to adhere towards this globalist a uh, wokest agenda. Uh, really, you can only, you go back to Revelation and read about the early churches, especially the church at Smyrna. It was the same thing. Uh, if you were a Christian living in a pagan town, uh, you weren't allowed to participate in commerce. Your business was was kept. Uh, you weren't allowed in politics. Uh, you couldn't buy or sell. Uh, you were basically ostracized. Yeah. And we're, this is an old tactic of Satan, but we're seeing it again. Uh, it's frightening that in the United States uh, and even Western countries, you talk about brothers and sisters, South Africa, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, it's all the same. It's, it's uh, you know, Vladimir Putin, terrible guy, terrible what he's doing, but he's right about the West. He's this globalist agenda that's coming out of the West is gaining steam and it's totalitarianism. Yeah, <laughs> You really need to call it. And it's all leading up to what the Bible says. The rise of globalism will eventually happen. So yeah, brother, I, I see America has long drifted past it's Judeo-Christian values. It's long drifting past its constitutional love of a constitution and freedoms. And uh, we are morphing very quickly into this globalist world system that the Bible says that we will be in one day. So, yeah, uh, scary times, but also prophetic times. We yeah. have the Bible prophesied this thousands of years ago. Yep. Yeah. So my question too is, let's go, let's go a little farther back. So founding of our nation, there's a lot of people that say, well, what makes America so you unique? Well, what makes you guys so special? And I understand that um, as Americans, that we could oftentimes fall prey to pride in the sense of us thinking that we somehow are a lot more special than other countries. And I know that that's not the case, right? Because Christ didn't just come for the United States of America. Christ didn't just die for the people in America, Christ laid his life down for everybody um, around the entire world. And so, um, but let's really go back real quick to the founding of our country. There are those that say, well, we really 
weren't founded on Judeo-Christian principles because some of our founding fathers were deists. They weren't Christians, right? So what is your take on that? Because I want to read something really quick after I get your take on the question that I just posed. Did Were we established as a Judeo-Christian nation? Absolutely. And that was what actually makes the United States special. Apologies to all those from foreign countries out there who are watching, but the United States, you can go even as far back as the Mayflower Compact, yeah. see that the people on the boat of the Mayflower were dedicated to serving the Lord. The Puritans and the separatists that came out of and fled Europe from all the persecution the, the, against Protestantism they were facing yeah. came to the United States and believed they were establishing a city on a hill, a, a new Jerusalem, so to speak. Their theology and understanding there was a little off, but they came setting up Judeo-Christian values. You could go to the Continental Congress where they couldn't agree on the state's reps until Franklin, who many call a deist, but Franklin yeah. said, hey, if the Lord isn't blessing us, then we're not going to make any decisions. They stopped everything. They prayed for God's guidance, and then they were able to start putting the Constitution together. So uh, you can go through almost all the great uh, Supreme Court justices like Marshall and others and read their literature. You can even read Thomas Jefferson, who yeah. many say, well, Jefferson was a deist. And while he was maybe the more liberal of them, he still had a very strong belief in God and uh, the Bible as being the authority. So our nation was established very differently than any other nation. The fact that the United States was established believing that man is inherently evil and needs checks and balances against him. And hence our governmental system was created with that in mind. Everywhere else you'll say, well, man is inherently good. We just need to tame the environment. Yeah. It's the complete opposite in the United States. So I disagree with this very modern uh, relativistic push to redefine American history as not being established on Judeo-Christian values. It most certainly was established on Judeo-Christian values. And that's why the Lord has allowed the United States to be the most blessed nation in all of human history. Amen. So I'm glad you brought that up. I agree with you, but sometimes I want to pose questions that others are actually, well, people will hear that out in mainstream. And so for those that might stumble upon this podcast, I want to make sure that it's crystal clear that yes, our country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And I'll even go further. Let me get your take on this. Um, I think persecution obviously grows the believer, right? We we see that all throughout Scripture. We could even see that present day. We look at our brothers and sisters suffering great persecution. In now, I mean persecution physically. Okay, in in China and in North Korea. I mean they're terrible there. You've got the the underground church in Iran as well, and many other countries over there as well. But um, what what strikes me is that it seems like the United States was born out of persecution, right? Like you just mentioned, they left England, they fled um, from England. I think they went to Holland and then from Holland back and then to, to the States. And there was persecution because of the state church, right? We're talking about the Catholic church. Um, what are your thoughts on that? The U.S. being born out of a sense of persecution? Oh, absolutely. The, the pilgrims and Puritans were tremendously persecuted. I mean, back, I mean, you look in France, for instance, with the Huguenots, yeah. the Catholic Church was killing the Huguenots. Yeah. Uh, my wife's family is of Huguenot descent. Uh, same thing with the Pilgrims and Puritans, Separatists, other different groups. They wanted religious freedom. And under the Church of England and the Catholic Church at the time, 
they couldn't get it. They were chased basically out of Europe. There was yeah. only one place to go, and that was the New World. And those are the people that established it. Now, Jamestown was a secular colony, and uh, it had its struggles. But so there are a secular element. There always will be. But primarily, the United States was established on Judeo-Christian values. It's held its Judeo-Christian values. Now, has it has its sins? Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, what country hasn't been involved in slavery and, and uh, economic um, greed, you know, the abuses sure. in capitalism, stuff like that? But that doesn't define what the United States is. What defines the state is where we came from. We set out to be a Judeo-Christian country. Brother, we are so far from those roots right now uh, that even having God we trust on our money is, is, is hypocritical and embarrassing. Yeah. We yeah. have left our Judeo-Christian values and we do so, it, you know, you study the history of Israel, and it was constantly a cycle of they loved the Lord, the Lord blessed them, they got apathetic and arrogant, they started thinking that the blessings were created from themselves, yeah. they started yeah. rejecting God or got apathetic, then they went full-blown rebellion against yep. God, God would send in punishments and even exile to get them to return to the Lord, they'd return to the Lord, and then he would establish them and bless them again, and that cycle, man, went over and over and over, and when I was a kid, I'd read that. And I was like, Lord, how could the Israelites be so dumb? You know, yeah. how could they do that? But now that I've been around almost half a century, it's like, oh, my goodness, this has happened in the United States. We're seeing a revival, which happened at, at World War II. Uh, the Lord blessed the United States, made it a world power. Uh, we got apathetic towards the Lord. We got arrogant. Uh, we started an open rebellion against the Lord. He's sending judgments. He certainly is now. And at some point, the judgments will get so bad that we might see a, a civil war, an attack by another country, a, a collapse of the country, as always God's op modus operandi is yeah. to get people on their knees to repent and turn to him. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> one thing, and, and let me, again, I'm going to pose a question. I want to get your take on this. It's uh, what I see in scripture is Satan has always tried to thwart the work of God all throughout history, right? Um, mm -hmm. We see that from the very beginning in the garden. Um, and Satan wanting to to thwart God's creation, and to an extent, he succeeded to an extent. So I don't want, don't write me in and say, you're saying Satan is successful, but to an extent, he succeeded, and, and therefore, you know, we got sin, and uh, the rest is history. But from the very, very get-go, even prior to the inception of what we now call the United States of America, um, Satan was fighting this country, and even the Lord from the get-go. Now, I'm going to share something from a history book. It's a good history book. It's not a woke one. And I'm going to share from um, uh, Increase Mather. Now, you said you did research on Cotton Mather, right, his son? Um, I did. Actually, part of my dissertation on the Millennial Kingdom or the Davidic Kingdom involved uh, the fourfold view that uh, Cotton had about the Kingdom of God. So, yeah, both Cotton and his father, Increase, were giants of theology in their time yeah. period. Yeah, they were. They're huge. And as my son is studying this, this part, especially this aspect of U.S. history, it blew my mind, actually, to see how Satan was fighting to get secularism in the United States before we were even the United States of America. And what it made me realize is that this fight has been going on for centuries now, over two centuries. Um, and I believe what's happened, and we're going to get into where we are now, we're just covering where we were. And I hope everybody watching can understand that um, 
we can't let our guard down. And we are in a position right now presently because I solely place the blame on the shoulders of the church. God had very, very specific, um, a very specific task for the church. And, and within recent decades, we've strayed very far from that as the church. And we're seeing the, um, we're seeing the, the results of that. So if it's okay with you, Nathan, I want to read from this book real quick, just a few, maybe three or four paragraphs, because I want folks to understand that this isn't something new but it's been a fight going on and why it's so important for us as believers to make sure that we engage spiritually in the fight, right, against the enemy. So if that's cool with you, I'm going to go ahead and read. And the title of this is called Fighting Against the Secularization of the American College. Specifically, um, Increase uh, went to uh, Harvard. I believe he was the president of Harvard. And uh, this is what it says. Increase Mather entered the most serious battle for the Christian faith when he went to war against the rise of a man-centered secularism in the college classrooms. Now, folks, mind you, this is back in the year um, 1650, around the mid-1600s. Um, Harvard College was founded in 1636. It's nothing like it is now, okay? Nothing. So we'll just leave it at that. Its 1650 charter set down the mission of the school as, quote, the education of the English and Indian youth of this country in knowledge and godliness. So we know that's gone. So Harvard's rules and uh, precepts that were codified in 1646 included this objective for its students. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is, here it is, to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, found in John 17, 3. And therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning, and seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom. Let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him. Proverbs 2, 3. However, Harvard College soon wandered from its biblical foundation. So as we look back, what we could see, Nathan, what do you think, is it didn't take long for Satan to meddle in there and try to impose his humanistic, secularistic uh, worldview to draw people away from what Harvard was intended, right? Well, you got to go back to Isaiah, where the prophet tells us exactly what Satan wants. Satan wants to be worshipped as God. Yeah, uh, he, he wants to. He was the anointed cherub over the throne of God. He was the greatest of all the. Basically, say he was the greatest of all creation, the most beautiful, the the greatest of the angels, an archangel, uh, uh, equivalent, if not little superior to Michael. He was also in charge of the worship. He was the choral director yep. in heaven. And uh, but after a while, he's like, well, why is God getting all the attention? I'm amazing. I should get it too. And that this is where we get the first sin, arrogance and envy. He was able to convince a third of the angels to join him. They attempted to overthrow the throne of God. But yep. again, you know, people get it wrong where Satan and God are equal. God is 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 the, the creator. Satan's just a creation. There's no comparison. He was easily defeated and God sent him to the earth. And so now Satan is on the earth with his demons, Adam and Eve, held control of the earth they had the title deed 
But Satan tricked them, uh, deceived them. They sinned. And when they sinned, Satan became the God of this world, as the Bible says. That's why when Satan was tempting Jesus, he could offer the kingdoms to Jesus. He had the power. So in everything that Satan does, the desire is to get the world to worship him instead of God. And uh, so that behind everything, every God created government as a uh, floodgate, I guess you'd say a stopgate against sin, against evil. And human government has failed tragically at that many times. But so Satan will try to corrupt it. So here we got Israel, for instance. We saw how he corrupted that for hundreds of years. Now we get the gospel spreading throughout the world. And uh, you look at, like, say, ancient Turkey, Asia Minor. Islam wiped it out. It moved into Europe and it started spreading westward around the world. And wherever it's gone, Satan has tried to get in and corrupt it, usually from the inside. So I would say you could go even far back as... Um, Constantine, when he made Christianity the state religion, you merge secularism and the pagan worship of uh, the Roman gods into Christianity. And so he corrupted it through the Catholic Church. When the Protestantism broke off and tried to get back to its biblical roots, we see the Church of England and other corrupting influences come uh, in the United States. But wherever it goes, the gospel spreads before it starts dying in those churches. We've seen it come to the United States in the you know 1900s, 20th century. The gospel spread amazingly, but again, Satan came in and corrupted it. Now we're seeing the gospel spread all over China and Africa. So the gospel still goes on and continues to spread. But sure. the Bible says in Revelation 3 that the final phase of the church would be called the church of Laodicea. It'd be yep. defined as apathetic, uh, thinking it's rich materialistically, yeah. but spiritually it's very poor. Brother, I think that's why we, what we're seeing. We are in that final phase of the church age where the church would be the church of Laodicea. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I have it here. We're going to touch briefly if we get to it. But um, I agree 100%. One thing that's crazy here is I, is I read on, it says, Incre- Increase assumed the presidency of Harvard in 1685. The first thing he did was to give up his first year's salary to clear the college debts. That wow. is amazing in and of itself. And here's what, what this reforming Puritan, again, Puritans, wanted most was to bring Christian discipleship into college. He ended the study of pagan Aristotelian ethics at the college with the goal of reintroducing biblical law as the basis for human ethics. So even back then, we already saw this tug of war between no, hum, human, uh, humanism, secularism, wanted, we wanted this, you know, the, the secular philosophical um, theology, per se, versus biblical foundation, you know? And so we saw this, this tug-of-war back then, and Increase fought a lot. The bummer is that while Increase Mather was attempting to reform, two of his instructors, William Brattle and John Leverett, were quietly opposing him. Now, here's the spirit of Satan, right? uh, Constantly opposing the work of Christ. Both were humanists in the sense that they favored the sovereignty of man, right? Man over God. This is what we're seeing today, folks. Um, Over the sovereignty of God. They wanted to bring Greek ethics back into the college's curriculum, and they wanted Plato's philosophy raised to the same level as the... um, inscripturated. Wow, these are big words. I need to look these up in the dictionary. Maybe I need to go back to college. Inscripturated revelation of God's law. 
eventually, um, wow, here's another big word. These latitudinarians would win the battle and humanism would seize control of American schools, colleges, and churches. And so, folks, that's where we were. Um, we fought for it. The church did fight a lot here in the States, right, Nathan? Um, to keep the Lord at the center as the foundation. So let's move forward now. We know there was that that battle. Satan wanted to thwart God's work back then. And all throughout the last two centuries, um, the gospel has proliferated here in this country. We've sent out missionaries. Like you said, World War II came along. We became a safe haven for the Jewish people that were fleeing Europe and Germany. And... Um, for those of you that might not have had, did you read the book uh, Bonhoeffer by Eric Metaxas by any chance? I, I read Bonhoeffer's writing, but not Metaxas' okay. book on it. Good, good book. I, yeah, it's fabulous. I highly, highly encourage you guys to read the book Bonhoeffer by Eric Metaxas. It's it's a big book, but it's very, very good. And when Bonhoeffer came to the States in the early to mid, before the war, so early 1900s, he didn't find the gospel preached in what he called the white churches, the mainstream churches. He actually found the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached faithfully in the black churches of the South. And it makes you think, right, that they were, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, there was a lot of slavery going on coming out, well, coming out of slavery, and um, they were, the black folks, unfortunately, say what you may, um, it's it's a it's an ugly ugly blemish in U.S. history, but they suffered a lot. And if we look at history, and what we just talked about persecution, what does it do? Persecution really makes folks draw near to the Lord, and they grow in their faith. And that's where Bonhoeffer found the gospel being preached, not where you would imagine in the mainstream denominations. Um, so, what are your thoughts on? What are your thoughts on that? Persecution, you know, again, the, the South being where the gospel was mostly preached. Not, not that it was the only place, but mostly preached. That's where Bonhoeffer found it. Uh, the old hymn, uh, Trust and Obey, but yep. there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And I, I love that old hymn because it's true. When mankind starts getting a little too intellectually big for our britches, that's when we start abandoning the Bible. And yeah. we saw that with the German school of higher criticism yep. in the 1920s. They came in and they said, well, we're going to have reason over faith. And it just decimated many of the seminaries and the early churches at the time period. Yep. But then the Lord brought the Great Depression in the 30s, World War II in the 40s. We saw people begin to trust and obey again. Yep. Were they religiously pious and had everything right? No, obviously not. We had many social issues in our country, but it's almost like we have two, and not almost, but it is, we have two societies running parallel. We have the domain of Satan and the kingdom of Christ running side by side. Mm -hmm. And the domain of Satan will always try to destroy the kingdom of Christ. Unfortunately, the kingdom of Christ spends a lot of time compromising. For instance, the Scopes monkey trial back in the 20s. Uh, evolution said, well, we just want a seat at the table. We want to express our views. And Typical liberalism that, that is in Christianity mindset is that we're open to free speech and free discussion. We're sure of our beliefs in Christ, but we're open to talking with other people, not that we'll accept the views. But the kingdom of Satan 
doesn't believe that. Once it's got its foot in the door, it wants dominance. Yeah. And immediately you saw how evolutionary thinking and humanist thinking pushed the Bible out. I mean, you get to the 50s where uh, you get the end of praying in school and it quickly decel- uh, accelerated into pushing God totally out. No more teaching creationism, uh, only teaching evolution, only teaching humanism. And the result is you can see statistics starting in the 60s, how with the, the problems that used to be in school with walking too fast and gum chewing yep. and, and occasionally a fight breaking out in the out under the bleachers became horrific, you know, teen pregnancies and drug addiction and drinking and, and murders. And now we've got homosexuality and, and transgenderism and suicide rates are high. Whenever yeah. they took God and his foundation out, and that's the only thing that the kingdom of Satan leaves you with. It's Satan can only destroy. The Bible says that he can only destroy. And so everything he touches, he destroys. Yeah. And why does he destroy it? Because he wants to destroy any foundation that the kingdom of Christ has. So it gets back to what he wants. He wants the world to worship him. Brother, we're going to see, and I think we'll be raptured before this, but we're going to see the world get very close to abandoning everything for the hopes of security in a global government. Yeah. And the Bible says that the Antichrist will rise out, Satan through the Antichrist, will cut up this global government, be like Star Trek. You ever watch Star Trek? Yeah. You got the Federation and everything's <laughs> yeah. a paradise and humanism rules and it's all wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it's not humanism only destroys. By the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist will demand the world worship him. Satan possesses the Antichrist. And Satan, for a while, gets what he wants. The whole world turns to him and worships him. Unfortunately, the end result is, of course, the absolute almost destruction of the world between Satan's activities and God's judgments on the earth to the point that Jesus returns and defeats him and sets up his kingdom. So from Bible prophecy, we know where the future lies, but we can look and see where the trends are going. And sadly, these globalist trends, these humanist trends, these anti-Christian trends are going to continue to get worse and worse leading up to eventually Satan's kingdom, ruling and reigning over the entire globe through a global government. Yeah, absolutely. I know on the podcast we did, I think two podcasts ago, um, you and I, we talked uh, what's the world going to look like post-rapture. So I encourage everybody everybody to go back and just revisit that because um, we, we covered some good ground on that. But um, listen, w- so we fought it for a long time. And for many for many decades, the church did very well. Um, it, you know, they, they stuck to the tenets of of Scripture, and the the Lord Jesus Christ and Scripture was our foundation for many decades. And we know that moving into um, late eighteen hundreds, with the onslaught of the cults and two big proliferating cults. Now we got the Mormon the Mormons in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, and then you got. The Jehovah's Witnesses in the early 1900s, with I think his name was Charles Taze, um, and then Russell. the guy that yeah Russell Taze, uh, and then Judge Charles Rutherford. Taze. Rutherford was the guy that took over for him, I believe. Um, so we've had the proliferation of a lot of false doctrine, false Christs to say, right, um, and and really really heretical theology, uh, un- unfortunately, come into the church. And because, folks, I think apathy has led a lot of people to not get into the Word of God, and and they, we've somehow taken this uh, posture that whatever the pastor says, 
well, the pastor knows best, and if he says it, then it must be true, and we don't go take it to the Scripture to see if what the pastor says lines up with what Christ says, because ultimately, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what the pastor says. It's really as long as it lines up with Scripture and what Jesus Christ says all throughout Scripture. That's really the important part. So here we are present day. We have strayed very, very far from where we originally started. I mean, it literally is a whole nother world. And the Lord told us that's the way it was going to be, right? We can read Matthew 24, Luke, uh, Luke 21, and Mark 13. And we know that it's supposed to happen. Now, present day, we have come, uh, we have fallen down the slope really, really quick within, you would say, what, last 20 years? Would you say most put the Laodicean age around 1925? Before that was the Philadelphian age. Uh, uh, the Lord had only good things to say about the Philadelphian era and the Philadelphian church, uh, late 1700s, 1800s to the early 1900s. Yeah, a time of great uh, evangelism, great mission work, a great love of doctrine and, and of God. But starting in the 1920s, have you noticed too that it also coincides with materialism? Yeah, absolutely. This, as yep. soon as you start feeling self-reliant and, and you, you don't have to spend every day hunting for your food and you're mm -hmm. warm at night and all, that's where that apathy starts coming in that we saw in ancient Israel. Yeah. You know, the Lord's blessings on them, they soon became apathetic and then hostile. I think we're well past the apathetic stage into the hostile stage. I would say the beginnings probably of the church having trouble is the breakup into denominations. Because mm -hmm. then you've got certain denominations hovering around certain doctrines. The more liberal ones would break off. There'd be movements like the Jesus movement in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. But I think that the nail on the coffin, at least for most churches in the United States, was the seeker-sensitive movement oh, yeah. uh, started Huge. by Bill Hybels. Yeah. I, I do believe yeah. that churches should be seeker-sensitive, but the church service isn't an evangelistic service. The, the church is meant to equip the believers in Christ to go out and share the gospel. And so when you got basic... Christianity 101, every sermon after sermon after sermon, we've got a whole generation that raised up who have no biblical death. They're a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. And all it took was just the slightest little challenge by Satan's kingdom to attack their faith and they fall apart. That's why Ken Ham and many other authors have written books about uh, why our youth in college and even now in high school and even as far back as middle school are giving up on their faith because they don't know what they believe. Uh, that's why I love apologetics. I got my doctorate in apologetics because how you defend your faith is vital to your understanding of God and, and bringing other people to know Jesus as their Savior. So the church is going through a real rough time right now here in the West. Uh, again, like you said, uh, you read about I, we have a missionary in uh, China works in the underground church. Yep. The faith of the underground Chinese church is amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. The North Koreans, there's, there's over 200,000 Christians suffering in basically concentration camps in North Korea right now. Their faith is astounding. The crown that they'll get for suffering for the Lord will be amazing. We don't really know suffering here in the West yet, yeah. uh, but uh, that's what the Lord wants. I think the Lord will eventually bring continual judgments on America, continuing to allow Satan to get more and more power. We saw it during COVID, the lockdowns on the churches and the churches having to fight for the rights to exist. Uh, that only refines the church, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, we see that. That's just, uh, uh, it's it's not something that we're making up. That's It's proven throughout history. Any church that has gone through persecution, people that have gone through persecution, um, 
it, it really just strips you of everything and makes you look up. It really does prayerfully. Um, and, you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head too, is as our country, as the Lord blessed it with um, uh, material wealth and peace and, um, you know, a lot of people were able to go and get their educations and bachelors and masters and doctorates. Um, I like what Dr. Uh, David Hawking said. He's I'm not down, not that I'm down on education, he said, but I do believe that people could get educated beyond their intelligence. I think what he was saying was that we trust too much in our own reasoning, in our own intellect, and not realize that our intellect comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes from God. And what we need to be relying on is on the Word of God, right? I've, I've said oftentimes that I find myself a lot like Peter, um, because Paul was a scholar, you know? He was uh, under Gamaliel. He studied under Gamaliel, and talk about a very intelligent man. And not that Peter wasn't, but it was he was led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit did some of the most amazing things we see in the New Testament through the life of Peter, right? And... Um, Peter uh, just blurted things out, and he would say without uh, without thinking. And oftentimes, I find myself um, thanking God that He puts someone like Peter in Scripture because I am not I'm not that scholarly kind of guy, right? And that's okay because God uses. Oh, God, you're uses... you're you're quite the scholarly kind of guy. Don't, <laughs> okay, don't belittle yourself. What? This is the most. Uh, heady conversation I've had in a podcast in a long time. So thank you. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate having you on. Trust me. So, <laughs> so here we are again, we've, we've, uh, given way to apathy. We've given way to indifference and, um, and we've become lazy within the church. And what I mean by lazy oh, is not cool. physically lazy, but spiritually lazy. And that's where the enemy strikes. Bam. You know, he knows where we're at. And, and he takes advantage of those moments. Um, and so we're seeing the result present day of woke churches, of the social gospel being introduced um, into the pulpit, and people aren't pushing back, actually. One thing that I, I want to say is there was a lot of talk about California. Oh, the Californians, man, they passed Prop 1. They passed Prop 1. Well, um, I think you and I, we were talking off the record uh, how— California, the people in California, unfortunately, have been duped, I think, for a long time. Um, if if we look back, uh, Prop 8, that was the, they tried redefining marriage here in California years and years ago. I'm sure that probably a lot of you guys um, that are on the chat know this. Prop 8 was uh, trying to redefine marriage. It didn't pass. The people said, no, California wants marriage to be defined between a man and a woman. Well, guess what? Uh, I think it was just two years later that they introduced Prop 22 because, wait, no, we're not happy with how the outcome of Prop 8 was. We're going to reintroduce Prop 22. And so they reintroduced it was the same exact thing. Let's redefine marriage. And again, the California people voted no. They did not want marriage redefined. It was one man, one woman. And so what happened is we had an activist judge overrule the people and said, no, he redefined marriage, and uh, the very next day or a few days after, the guy retired from the bench. How convenient. And so the when I look at Prop 1, um, one thing that I don't think we are addressing is, as we're talking about the problem in the church presently, right, Laodicean church, 
How many people in the church, and I want to get your thoughts on this, how many people in the church are engaging in behavior that is contrary to Scripture and voting for abortion? We don't know about it, but it doesn't surprise me that there are many, because California folks wasn't the only one that enshrined abortion in their constitution. I believe Kentucky was another state, um, either Maryland, I think it might have been Maryland, and there was one other one. So what are your thoughts on that? Because I believe there are a lot of folks that we got the wheat and tares sitting within the church, yet voting opposite when it comes time to, you know, vote the Bible. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you got to separate, I guess, the wheat from the chaff, as you could say, the cultural Christians from the true biblical Christians. About a decade ago, Barna released a poll. Uh, what is uh, who has biblical worldview? A true God? They believe in the primary yeah. doctrines. Jesus is the Son of God. He's both divine and man. Yeah. The Bible is the authority word of God. Salvation is through no one else but Jesus Christ. So forth and so on. And so it was nine percent. Nine percent of the population of the country said they are matched all those points and had a biblical worldview. Just this past week, Barna released another poll. It's down to 6%. That's crazy. 6% of the country has a biblical. That means then that of those, most, uh, I think the last one, it was around 70 some percent of Americans at least have a general belief in God. Yeah. But only 6% of the 325 million people in this country have a biblical worldview. No wonder they can say they believe in God, but then vote for the murder of babies or to have children go through sex changes or stuff through this. They have no biblical foundation. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. That should be the key verse that our entire worldview is tied to. If it's not that, then you're not a Christian. You're just practicing religion. You're seeking God on your own terms. Uh, John 14, 6 is, is the foundation of a biblical worldview. And so, brother, when you don't have that foundation, you're going to, of course, uh, you know, Disney. Disney seems to think that their job now is to queer up our, yeah. our children. Yep. They're coming out with a, a openly teenage gay animated movie. Strange for the World. Week of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think. Isn't it, isn't it Strange World? Yeah, 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 yeah that's it. Yeah. I, I saw Lightyear. I mean, it did nothing but constantly try to reinforce a, a lesbian yep. as the, you know, the, the, the character to emulate. And this is, we, we've got executives in Disney talking about how important their queer agenda is. We've got TV shows like She-Hulk, which constantly pr- pushes promiscuity. And, and that's all coming out of family friendly. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, what opened my eyes to what's going on in the world is, have you ever seen that movie Blade Runner with Harrison Ford? No, I never could get into that. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Well, it's based on a book called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? It's very different than the movie. <laughs> But the premise was, is that it was in the future, which actually is around our time now when the book was written, Yeah, is that entropy would set in. And entropy is this this uh, law of, of physics that yeah. everything loses energy and degrades. So for the book of uh, the time period that the book was referring to, which is around our time period now, is that everything would get corrupted and degraded. Everything was on its last leg, like an old man about to die. And we've seen just, I think, in the last 25 years or so, this mass degrading of everything. When when Disney, for example, which is supposed to be family-friendly entertainment, works towards 
pushing an anti-biblical agenda. When you see the Mennonites, the Mennonites have adopted yep. gay marriage. Yeah. I mean, of, of any group, I mean, the Mennonites. And so we're seeing just everything at every level degrade. Sure, our technology is getting better, but when the morality degrades, so does society. And the Bible said it'd be like that, uh, like society would become like a worn out clothes that you've worn for decades, that's dirty and ripped and falling apart. And it just needs to be tossed and a new pair put on. And that's what the world's getting. It's yep. going to continue to degrade due to entropy until Jesus Christ comes back, defeats evil, defeats failed human government. And Jesus sets up his kingdom of peace, righteousness, and justice that will just dominate the world. Oh, man. Amen. That 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 is going to be the day. Um, I want to read out of, because I think this is where we're at, Matthew 7. I've read this before. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And so I think what we see now, we're seeing that, um, you know, the proportions of the many versus the few, and it's getting, it's very stark. The contrast is very, very stark as to what we see. So um, unfortunately, we're at a place right now, which is very, very critical for America. Um, the title of this podcast is The End of a Timeline, and I really thought that that was apropos. We're really at the end of a timeline, the the end of the church age, right? Um, what do you think in regards to that? Are we truly at a point where we could say we are that close to the end of that timeline? Well, Bible prophecy is like a 100-piece puzzle, and uh, we've got 75 pieces so far all put into place. One of the biggest pieces that came in place is what is the hook that draws Russia down to want to invade and plunder Israel? Well, we know that Israel will now be competing with Russia to get its gas into Europe, and uh, they're pushing production faster. They saw about three years out. Yeah. And so what, what did Israel have that Russia be interested? Well, now Israel is a threat to the uh, Russian economy. So little things like that, that the Bible prophesied that would fit this pattern mm -hmm. of what the world geopolitical system will look like then is all coming together. So, yeah. uh, but the super sign would be Israel. Israel is back in the land. Jesus said that when Israel became a nation again, the generation or Jania, the time period of that happening would be the final generation before his return. And so we're living in that, that final state. We're in the last of the last days. Uh, you know, if you wake up at five in the morning, it's so horrifically dark and miserable. <laughs> but, you know, just another hour later, the sun's going to come up. Uh, I think the tribulation is that five o'clock in the morning hour. Yeah. Third. Yeah, we he froze just a little bit. So um, it's OK. I know where Nathan was going. He kind of froze on us. That's a good pose, though, that he, there you go. You came back. There we go. There you Am go. Am I moving again? You're okay. moving again. We're good. We're golden. I know, right? It was a good one too. It was a good pose, but uh, that one would have been better. Yeah, but I totally agree. Um, one thing that I want to say real quick is you were talking about Israel and their gas reserves and what they have. I find it really, really interesting that Russia with the Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2 pipeline, they were peachy king. They were golden. Nothing. Why would they need the gas? Or even though they have it, the delivery system is toast. So it's what's the point of having all this gas if I can't get it to market, right? Interesting that in comes the U.S. of A, 
and you know we we destroy those those pipelines and it's almost like maybe yeah maybe yeah maybe, maybe. i get it we we don't know 100% whoever it was okay let's just say whoever it was it's everything is playing into the scriptures meaning it's all lining up with what god says right if you would have said 3 months ago well why would why would russia want to come after israel we get it right as you study scripture but um, why would Russia want to come after Israel? At the end of the day, they got Nord Stream 1. Nord Stream 2 is not even, it's it's ready, but they could start pumping gas there. Yeah, they don't need it. And now here we are present day, right? Delivery system, they don't have the delivery system. And so right. I, we could see how a prophecy is 100% accurate all the time, every day. And so... We know that it was 100% then, it's going to be 100% now. God's record is 100% and it will keep being 100%. So, okay, let's uh, let's move on. I did want to read real quick because I know we're running out of time and I want to take some questions. Um, I get letters from Dr. James Dobson. Now, say what you may, Dr. Dobson um, did amazing work when it came to the family. Okay, his books were great. I have some of his books watched Bringing Up Boys. Really, really good. And I'll say this much. If you guys haven't watched Bringing Up Boys, whether you have boys or not, whether you have kids or your grandparents, it is amazing to see how Dr. Dobson called the war on males back then when he wrote the book and when he filmed the series. And when we watched, after my wife and I watched his DVD series, Bringing Up Boys, it totally makes you aware of how they demean masculinity in Hollywood, in commercials, I mean, in books, in magazines. The male figure, right, as, as God created the male figure, wow, they just axed it, and they just tore it down, and it was incremental, incremental. They'd make fun of men, like men were twerps, and dad didn't know anything. A big stark contrast, right, Nathan, from... Uh, Father Knows Best or Leave It to Beaver to to the shows like Married with Children and The Simpsons. Married with Children. Simpsons know. were the first two yeah. that really began bashing the father figure. Yeah. Yep. And so here we are. We're at a point where the lines have been completely blurred between the genders. And we have these satanic ideologies that are prolifer proliferating all throughout society. So... um. Where do we go from here? So let me, I want to show everybody, um, let's go to Revelation chapter 1, verses 19, because Nathan, this is exactly what you and I have been talking about. Um, it says, write the things which you have seen. Jesus says this to John, write the things which you have seen. We've talked about um, just in our day and age, what we've seen. Now, that's not what Jesus was telling him, but write the things which you've seen, the things which are, and the things which will will take place after this. And um, that word after this, I find it interesting. Let me get over here. After this or hereafter, the Greek word is meta-autos, which literally means after these things. So if we fast forward to verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1, right, where we see the rapture, possibility of the rapture, come up hither. John is told to come up hither. Um, the word there, after these things, is that word, meta-autos. And so um, 
The Lord also told us in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, always. Well, that's a typo. Don't write me in. I caught that. Even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we know that what's coming is terrible. Let's park ourselves there real quick and tell people what's coming. We talked about what what was, at least in our um, near past, in our present day, and what's coming so quickly. What is coming that is terrible, and what what can we expect in the coming days? Ooh, that's a tall order. That There's is a, a tall lot order. Of Bible prophecy there. <laughs> okay, uh, condense it. Cliff notes versions. Cliff notes Cliff, version. Cliff notes version. You're going to see Satan's empire here on this earth appear to grow more and more powerful uh, as God slowly pulls his forces out of the picture. It's called a restrainer yeah. to the point where, as uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 teaches, that Jesus Christ will come in the clouds and take up those who trusted Jesus as a Savior called the church or the bride of Christ up to heaven and that restraining influence of God will be removed off this earth. And once that happens, things will accelerate like unbelievably. Like, yep. You know, you're talking about the church pushing back on things like Proposition 8, supportive Proposition 8, and stuff like that. Imagine that there's nobody anymore yeah. holding back evil. And the Bible says that during this time period, every inclination in the hearts of man will be evil. Sound very familiar? It yep. sounds just like Noah's time before the flood or Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah, mankind will finally get what they want, freedom from God's moral law, and the world will descend into chaos. Yeah. Out of that, a, a politician will rise up from Europe, and he will declare to the world that he can fix this big problem. We're going to see economic collapse across the world. Uh, the United States isn't even mentioned in the Bible. It's not a world player, so likely the double punch of the rapture and the mm -hmm. economic collapse that's coming definitely to us will affect it. China has a tremendous amount of believers. A rapture would devastate China. You don't even about read about China until the end of the tribulation. So Russia then will feel free with the Islamic world to try to destroy Israel. Ezekiel 38 and 39 says that God steps in, destroys those armies and those nations. So Russian Islam isn't a player going into the tribulation. This one world ruler will rise out of Europe and he will plunge the world into war and consolidate the whole world under his kingdom. That war will kill a quarter of the world population. We just hit 8 billion people. That's 2 billion yeah. people that will die in what look like it will be World War III. It will become nuclear in nature. God will also send down 21 judgments upon the world that pretty much will devastate the world. And so by the end of those seven years, there's only enough people to gather in the Valley of Jezreel or Armageddon. That's when Jesus Christ returns. We return with him. We see Jesus himself defeat evil by just speaking. He's that powerful. The armies melt. The Antichrist and false prophet are sent into the lake of fire, and Satan sent to a pit. Jesus ascends up to Jerusalem. He sets up his kingdom. He regenerates the world. And for a thousand years, the world will live in peace and righteousness and justice with only believers in Christ entering into that millennial kingdom. Yeah. So it's a terrible terrible future coming, but it's short compared to the eternal kingdom that's coming after that. Yeah. Amen. I totally agree. Um, let me back up even real quick to where we're at right now. Um, what we're seeing and what we're going to see quickly. And you touched on this in the very beginning, you mentioned a, you know, a one world currency and we're seeing the big, big push for that, right? You said that on the dollar bill, 
we have our national motto that says, in God we trust, and how hypocritical is that? But I find it interesting that very soon they're going to do away with that motto. They're going to do away with paper currency. I mentioned this yesterday, folks, everybody that um, watched yesterday the podcast with Lee. But if you guys go to uh, Cointelegraph.com, there's an article there that the New York Fed is launching a 12-week central bank digital currency pilot program with major banks all throughout this country and the world. So um, we also saw that FTX crypto went went south, and I'm not even going to get into the scandal of FTX crypto, yeah. but... Uh, these are big banks that are going to be um, doing what I like to call a dry run, folks. This is a dry run. Um, I think this is the test for what's going to come. We could see it as soon as this next year. I think that's the plan. March 2023 is the plan to, to try and start implementing a type of digital currency. So what we're going to see in the near future is things are not going to slow down. Things are actually going to pick up speed and rather quickly especially given the um, the results of a certain uh, thing we had a week ago. <laughs> so given the folks that are in power now and in specific positions and in places, um, our hope needs to only be in Jesus Christ, period. Our hope should not it shouldn't lie on any one leader, on any one, um, uh, whether we take power here, whether we take power there. No, no, our hope needs to be in Jesus Christ because according to Scripture, um, what's coming is really, really, really bad. What's coming is, is um, the great, the tribulation leading into the great tribulation. What's coming is war. What's coming is ultra-famine. What's coming is disease. And uh, it's, it's going to be terrible. There's going to be this uh, persecution like we have never seen, this world has never seen in human history before. And like I said, Nathan, you and I talked a bit about how bad it's going to get, literally a second after the rapture. So um, just really, really quick before we go take questions. Um, you know what, folks? Start formulating your questions for Nathan. Um, put them all in caps. So question, all in capital letters, and we are going to start uh, getting to those. But Nathan, literally, right, what do you see happening in the near future? How fast do you see this going? I know I talked about the digital currency. Give us your take on one world government, the powers that be. Um, where do you see us going and how quickly? Well, as long as the church is here, as, as long as Christians are here, there's a restraining influence on the world. So it's really making this move towards global government slow. Uh, the pandemic obviously was used and utilized to try to push the globalist agenda forward. Uh, you know, why am I so, oh, Nathan's against globalism or what's this about digital currencies? Well, we read in the Bible and Revelation 13 and other places that there will be a global government that will be an evil, horrific government. Like imagine living under communist Soviet Union and the digital currency is so that the Antichrist can rule over this earth, and control people by their money. We saw with Justin Trudeau putting down that truckers protest yep. where he basically eviscerated every financial means they had to destroy them. Imagine that on a global scale. Imagine China's social currency being implemented worldwide 
where your freedoms are dependent on how loyal you are to the state. We're also seeing the rise in kings. Xi Jinping is now basically emperor of China. Vladimir Putin is basically a czar. The Bible yeah. prophesied the end times the kings would arise. Yep. We're seeing kings arise out of what was either democracies or at least people's governments. So yeah, this is going to increase, and in, as the, Jesus said it would, in frequency and intensity, the closer we got to his return. Once the church is gone, there'll really be nothing to stop this globalist agenda. The people will be paralyzed. They'll be fearful. They'll look for the government to be their God, to rescue them from the pandemonium. And the Antichrist will basically walk into power, uh, at least through the most of the Western world. He brings about a world war to yep. take over the rest of the world, and that's the death of two billion people. So, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, as bad as and tough as is uh, now. This is a cakewalk compared to what's coming ahead. Oh yeah, I remember you said we're gonna we're gonna look back and go remember the years of 2020 and the good old days, right? The good old days of yeah. 20, yeah, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But listen, um, isn't it in human nature uh, to want? to have somebody in a position of power to to take away our woes. I mean, don't the American people, don't we as the American people oftentimes throughout history have done the same thing? There's there's two things about human beings that we can't ignore. One is that we have a, you've heard of this God-shaped hole in our heart. Yep. And if God's not in it, we're going to fill it with anything, including government. Yeah. Two, Humanity is geared towards monarchies. We're not geared towards representative systems and republics. Our natural inclination is geared towards monarchy. Why? Because God is our monarch. He's supposed to be the one and only true authority. Yeah. He is the legislature, the executive and judicial branches all rolled in one. Yeah. And when yeah. we don't have God in that, we have to fill it with something. And what are people filling it with? They're filling it with humanism and government. And that's always going to fail them. Yeah. History shows that human government always fails. And brother, the Antichrist kingdom is going to fail spectacularly. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. One thing that um, I, as you were talking, and again, so much goes on up in here, and sometimes I lose my train of thought, but um, I don't know where I was going to go with this. But no, I, I totally agree with you. I was going to bring up a point. I know it was a good one. That's why I, I write my notes down here. Um, but anyways... So, folks, listen, we're, we're headed, the world is headed to a very, very, very bad place. And it's only going to pick up speed, and it's only going to get worse. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is going to come back at any, any moment. And so I want to encourage you guys to seek the Lord while he may be found. And um, for those that don't know Christ, we're going to get to the best part of this entire podcast soon. One thing real quick, you ever heard of Norman Vincent Peale? Yes. Okay, so Norman Vincent Peale, from my understanding, and I just want to touch on this, folks, uh, Kim from Life Clips Podcast, I know she's on here or was on here, we did a really good, um, uh, we had a great talk on um, church leaders and false leaders as well. I encourage you guys to go back, revisit that podcast because it ties into what we're talking about and the problems that the church is having. But Norman Vincent Peale, from my understanding, was that he is actually in the Freemason Hall of Fame. He was a 33-degree Mason. 
And they have a Hall of Fame for 33 or 32 degree Masons. I think it's in the East Coast. Could be Washington. Don't quote me. But from my understanding, he was a high-ranking Mason. Interestingly enough, he had two, um, two. Uh, what would you call them? Not, no, they're not disciples. But uh, he mentored two men that I think many of you guys are going to know the name. One of them is by the name of Rick Warren. And the other one that he mentored was a gentleman by the name of Bill Hybels. And uh, you touched on this earlier, was that is where we get this whole seeker-sensitive movement. Willow Creek was a huge proponent of the seeker-sensitive movement, was bringing the world into the church so that we could attract the world to come to the church, making the church like the world so that we could appeal to the world. And that is so anathema to um, the way that the Lord wants us to do things, right? So if you guys go in the book of Acts and study the early church. But anyways, I wanted to bring that up because it blew my mind to think um, that the influences that have crept into the church, even in recent decades, uh, is pretty, pretty insane. But anyways, okay. So Nathan, you cool? We going to take some questions? Yeah, sure. Sure. As long as uh, we're done in 15 minutes, uh, we my got wife it. has to teach a Bible study tonight, so I need to go watch the kids. So, Let's do uh, it. Let's do it. Okay, so we'll okay. take a handful of questions, and um, we'll let you go. Sound good? All right, here we go. Let me see. First question. Um, where was it? Give me a second, because I wanted to ask a specific one. Well, let's start with this one here. Okay, why is Satan released for a short time again? Do you want to take that one first? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. That's one of the biggest mysteries in the Bible. Why after a thousand years, he's in this bottomless pit and God releases him and allows him to get into the basically a utopian setting in the millennial kingdom. We got to remember that mankind has always had the opportunity to choose God or not, to choose Christ, to choose salvation. In the millennial kingdom, it's no different. The only difference is they get to see Jesus. They get to go to Jesus. But uh, inwardly, they're still... Those who will be born to the tribulation saints, the millennial kids of that time, even if they're hundreds of years old, will still have the sin nature in them. They'll still have to choose Jesus or not. Now, living under Jesus, Jesus says Jesus rules with a rod of iron. It means that that law is swift. He, uh, there's no appeal. He knows exactly your heart. And so these people will chafe under it. So when Satan's released, he becomes what he's always been throughout history, a lightning rod of rebellion against God. So God actually uses Satan to kind of sift the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Those who wish to rebel against Jesus will rally against him. Mm. And Satan will pull that old, worn-out strategy. If I get enough people, I get enough angels yep. to back me up, I can overthrow God. They mass, and sadly, it says they're they're like the sands of the sea. There's so many, and it's really tragic. They, they go with Satan, they go up to Jerusalem, and they try to overthrow Jesus. There's no flood, there's no tribulation. Fire comes down, consumes them. And we move to the great white throne judgment. So that's why Satan is released at the end of the millennial kingdom as a lightning rod uh, so that people get to choose God or not. Yeah, um, I, I'll i just put my two cents in there. I think for all throughout history, we can use the excuse, right? We've heard the excuse used, I did it because of this, my upbringing, or I didn't have a dad, or I didn't have this. And and we excuse the way that oftentimes we turn or, turn out or how a society turns out. We blame something else. Well, during a thousand years, like you said, Nathan, and Scripture says, it's going to be peace, but ruled by rod of iron, right? Um, and so we're going to see 
uh, Satan will not be an influence during those thousand years. And so what I believe, this is just, I'm speculating because Scripture doesn't, doesn't talk about this, but it's my belief that Satan, the Lord is going to let Satan go because man for a thousand years will not be able to use the excuse that he made me do it or my condition, my, my surroundings, you know, my upbringing made me do it because Satan's influence won't be present. Yet when Satan is released for a short time, what excuse will man have then to follow Satan? It's because man is sinful by nature, period. And, and the Lord is showing that for a thousand years, under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, things were great, yet man will choose to follow sin and choose to follow Satan without an excuse. It's just because that is the sin nature of man. And so um, it's we really have no excuse why not to follow Christ. We can come up with a million because isn't that our our human nature is we don't want to take responsibility for our own actions, especially when someone puts a mirror up to us, especially the scripture. The word of God is a mirror that shows us our sinfulness and how short we fall um, of God's standards. So that's just my two cents. Uh, let's take a couple more. And uh, that was, well, very good answer. Father. No, thank very you. Good. Appreciate that. Okay. So um, David Jack wants to know, what do you think the gap between the rapture and the tribulation, I'll add, will be? Well, there, there's some who surmise it could be up to about three and a half years uh, based on the, where the God made God wars position. I, I don't really believe that because imagine Imagine taking all the police out of a city. What would happen? I mean, crime would just, it'd be like... Yeah, Gotham City. Yeah, it'd be Gotham City. Yeah. So imagine taking, the Bible says, the restrainer off this world, and the entire world becomes Gotham City. Not only that, but they it says that the, the Lord gives them a deluding influence so that they choose to believe a lie. Probably why the rapture happened. Uh, it, you know, we're starting to see it, I think. It's either going to be global warming or aliens, I think, yeah. are going to be the— because that's what Satan's yeah. been positioning both of them towards, or maybe a combination of both. And um, so, no, I don't I don't think there's going to be a very long—now, we know that the, the tribulation begins, according to Daniel 9, when the Antichrist makes a, a confirms a peace covenant with the many or with Israel. That's the official—and you can count down to the day from that, Jesus coming back seven years later. Uh, but between the rapture and the tribulation— I would imagine it'd be probably be just months. Hmm. I can't imagine it being much longer. I mean, the whole world going into mass hysteria and lawlessness, you, you can only sustain that for, for a few little while before you get like a Mad Max type you know, scenario. Yeah. So uh, I, the Bible doesn't say, so I can't say for sure. But uh, just logically, I, I just can't imagine it lasting more than a few weeks or a few months. Okay. So I'm on the flip side of Nathan, which is totally fine. And that's the beauty of of being mm -hmm. able to uh, agree to disagree on these things. It, they're not salvation issues. These are just points of views that the Bible doesn't really speak into. So at the end of the day, it's purely speculative. I'm, I lean more towards the three and a half view. And one of the questions here is where does the burning of the weapons for seven years fit? And that's where I take, uh, I back it up three and a half years prior to the um, the tribulation beginning. I know there are folks um, who don't see any problem with uh, the burning of weapons into the millennial kingdom. 
Um, but uh, I do. That's just something that that I do. I think that those seven years of burning um, can only lead up to the three and a half year mark because we know that at the three and a half year mark, abomination of desolation takes place. The Jews are going to be fleeing for their life, like Nathan, you mentioned to what we believe the city of Petra, right? Um, uh, I don't know. Was that was that your take, Petra? In in well, it was Edom, present day Jordan, correct? Um, yeah, it'll probably be, be Petra. Well, here's the, the gist of that one. Um, when the Jesus returns, what will he find the Antichrist doing? Are you asking me? Yeah. He's going to be trying to destroy the remnant. And where is the remnant? Well, the remnant, from my understanding, Basra, right? Which right. means sheepfold. But, but they're also in Jerusalem. Remember, yeah, Jesus are... lands on... He lands on the Mount of Olives, it splits, and it provides a way for the Jewish people to escape out of Jerusalem. So while there will be some Jews protected in, uh, in the Jordan, Jordan yeah. there will also still be some in Jerusalem and probably throughout the world, and those will probably die. But yeah. So we know that those in Jerusalem could continue to burn the weapons for the full seven years. Hence, we don't need a three and a half years. Not all the Jews are going to vacate and go to uh, Petra. There's got to be some in Jerusalem for the Antichrist to attack, according to Zechariah 12 and 14. Okay, so see, and that is, this would be a great talk for a podcast because, um, <laughs> no, it really is. Oh, it, yeah, it's, it's a tough topic. It is. I, I run into this all the time. People say, well, you know, the Jews will be protected in, in uh, Jordan, and so they can't burn the weapons. But we know for a fact that there's Jews all throughout Israel, and especially in Jerusalem, because the Antichrist is besieging Jerusalem when Jesus returns. So they could continue to burn the weapons for the full seven years. So, so so when the Lord tells them, hey, don't go down and get anything from your house. If you're in the field, don't even go and pray that your flight is not in winter, right? We know um, that the Lord is telling them, get out of there, get, you know. So it's you're, you're saying that there are going to be Jews left. How will the Jews be left there without the... Um, I mean, we know that the Antichrist is going to be worse than Hitler. He's going to make Hitler look like a little baby when it comes to his persecution to the Jews and annihilating them. And and the thing that I believe the Antichrist is going to have that Hitler didn't is I believe we're going to go from a natural to a supernatural state, you know, flip side of the rapture. And so he's going to have all of his demonic cronies doing a lot of the work for him. And so to be able to hide in Jerusalem, was which isn't, you know, huge. Um, you think that they're still going to be able to function and be out burning weapons out in public without, say, um, the Antichrist annihilating them? Well, bear in mind that the first three and a half years of the tribulation, the Jews are in a protective sure. treaty yes. with the Antichrist. Yep. So yeah. they're good. They can collect all the weapons. Yeah. They can bury the bodies. They've got that. So now they've got seven years worth of supplies to deal with. And so we know that two thirds of the Jews will be killed, according to, I think it's Joel, and only one third will remain. Yeah. So all seven million Jews don't flee to Petra. There's the result of the God Magog war is not only that the world will know there is a God, but also that all the Jews will finally make Aliyah to, to Israel. Sure. For whatever reason, there won't be, you know, half of the world's Jewry living in the United States sure, and sure. South America and all that. So yep. Argentina, right? You're yeah, from Argentina, yeah. a lot of Jews there. Yep. And so uh, but we know from Zechariah for a fact that when Jesus returns, he frees and protects uh, the people that are be being besieged in Jerusalem. So 
We know that there's Jews in Jerusalem all the way to the end of the tribulation. They're in occupation because the Daniel says that the, the, the temple area will be trampled by the, the Gentiles yeah. into the time the Gentiles are fulfilled, which is when Jesus returns. So even though the Jews have the temple, the temple will be then set up to be a worship sure. temple for the Antichrist with his living image. There will be Jews in Jerusalem under besiegement, but they'll be living like an occupied terror. Like when Hitler ruled Poland, there were still Jews in Poland. You know, they hadn't escaped to America or to South America, whatever, but they were still occupied. So you really can't get around the fact that Jesus is the whole story of Jesus' return centers on him rescuing the Jewish people out of Jerusalem when he lands on the Mount of Olives and it splits. Yeah. Okay. So like okay, I said, that, no, for sure. That, something to think about. Something yeah. to think about. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. Uh, our own founder, Dr. David Reagan, believes in the three and a half year thing too. And yeah. you know, you're like, well, what about the Jews in Jerusalem? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. So yeah, you're in good company. Yeah, no, no, no. That's good. And and see, that's what I love. We, this is a, a talk that I would love to have on a podcast because, again, there's so many things that Scripture, when it comes to that, doesn't necessarily address. You addressed Jews all throughout the, the world. And um, we know that in Basra, they're going to be supernaturally protected there. And those around the world will will not have that divine protection. But the Bible doesn't tell us that they won't survive there, right, all around the world. I don't know if every Jew around the world is going to die. We we don't know that. No, two-thirds of them will okay, die. Okay, yeah, yeah two-thirds. And how many are there right now presently? 16 million, as far as we know? Yeah, I've seen between 14 and 16 million, okay. with half of them living in Israel. So but so we know that result- 10 million will, will, will die, unfortunately. Sadly, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be another Holocaust. Okay, yeah. so again, that would be a great show, another uh, a show to have. that. No, it's it's wonderful. Okay, great show. Let's talk about all these dead No, Yeah, yeah I understand. It's a fascinating topic. It is a fa- It is a great topic because I think it's also important for people to see that as believers, we're like, oh, cool. Okay, well, you think that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that. That doesn't mean that I necessarily have to be like, yeah, no, you t- I totally agree with you. But at the end of the day, like we said, those aren't salvific issues, you know what I'm saying? And so that's the greatest thing. We can show the body of Christ how to maybe agree to disagree agreeably. And who knows, maybe at the end of the day, I go like, yeah, you know what? I never saw it that way. That's totally cool because what we're seeing now is so much infighting and so much, even within the, the eschatology camp, there's so much fighting and division that the church is going like, whoa, whoa, wait a second here. Yeah, you know? these are the, the 25 missing pieces. As, as each event pops the puzzle piece yeah. and we're getting a full picture. Yep. So we've got a partial picture right now. Um, but on our website, ChristinProphecy.org, I have a full hour-long teaching on the Gog-Magog War and quite a number of articles as well. If people want to do a deep dive into the subject, We've got plenty of resources on our website, ChristinProphecy.org, about this subject. Uh, I go through all the different details of the timing, clues given for when the Gog and Magog war can begin. But you're right, there, there is some conjecture because yeah. we're missing those puzzle pieces. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, I know you've got to go, and um, I'm just very, very grateful. Everybody's been so good here. Um, last, last question. Give me one minute. Ready? Uh, what is your take on Rav Shlomo Yehuda? Another false prophet. Yeah. Just chalk them up. There's a bunch of them out there. The Lord said, number one sign he said, Matthew 24 and Luke 21, that points to his soon return is a proliferation of false price, Christ and false prophets. And this guy is just another false Christ. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. Folks, you guys have been 
so, so great. Um, but I said the best part of this entire podcast is right now. Nathan, would you please tell people if they're watching now or they're going to watch on the flip side of the live stream, what is the most important hope that we could ever have and how do we get that hope? Uh, let's go back to John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. If you don't believe that, then you fall under John 3, 36. The wrath of God remains on you. And brothers and sisters, I don't want you to go to hell. And so the only way to be saved from our sin and the judgment of our sin, which is the lake of fire, eternal hell, is to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, to approach him in faith and repentance and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus yet, you can do that now. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then do a prayer from your heart. Uh, something like, dear Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinner. I've, I've, I've sinned so much. Please forgive me. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Yes. And Jesus will forgive you of your sins and the guilt will be washed away and you'll inherit eternal life with him forever. Amen. So if you've uh if you have made that prayer, if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'd love to hear about it. Nathan would too. Write us, please tell us about it. Um and uh get into a good solid Bible believing church. I know that is very very difficult and you know what? If at the end of the day where you're at there isn't one, we'll tune into shows like Christ and Prophecy or Life Clips podcast, or the Serpents and Doves podcast. There's Brandon Holthouse, Pastor Tom Hughes. Uh, you've got Pete Garcia and Lee Brainerd and so on and so on. Britt Gillette, who is on with us. So folks, there is a plethora of great information to grow in Christ, but most importantly, remember to get into the Word of God and then get the Word of God into you. Last thing, I always present these, the Gospel Cards. Um, if you guys want to share the gospel, I will send 25 of these cards to you for free on me. And um, if you want more than 25, then all I would ask is that you would prayerfully consider just leaving a donation to help offset the cost of printing and of shipping and the materials. How do you do that? How do you get the cards? Well, um, just go over here. Go to the Connect tab on the Serpents and Doves website. Name, give us your email. Subject line is going to be Gospel Cards. And then you could just type in here that you want them. Um, and please include your mailing address. That way we know uh, where to send these over to. So that will wrap it up. The last thing I want to touch on real quick, Tammy G., said, I understand about the 70th week. I'm just saying the tribulation is only three and a half years, not seven. Let me just make a correction there. The entire 70th week of Daniel is called the tribulation, and the three and a half years tail end from the midpoint to the very end of the tribulation is called the great tribulation. So the entirety of the 70th week is in question in the sense of it is called the tribulation period not just three and a half years. Trust me, from the very get-go, it's going to get really ugly, really, really quick, especially I would encourage you to read Revelation chapter 6 um, with the seals, especially the first four seals, and we see, we can hear those hoofbeats approaching rapidly. So thank you guys, everybody. Nathan, thank you, thank you so very much, man, for being on. This was great. We're going to can't wait eight months. Can't wait eight months. We got to do this. No, soon. man. You're one of my favorite podcasters, so thanks for having me on. And I will tell everybody, Nathan holds a special place in my heart because Nathan was um, 
the first guy would I would consider, uh, aside from Eric Barger, to come on the podcast when I didn't know what I was doing, and God was so gracious. Nathan was gracious too, and you hold a very special place in my heart, brother. So um, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, guys, everybody. Please remember to keep our brothers and sisters in Europe and all throughout the world in prayer, please, and also here stateside too because we have a lot of need going on and we need to lean on each other. So remember, hope you guys were encouraged, blessed, challenged. Remember to keep looking up. Our redemption is near. God bless you guys. Until the next time, we'll be seeing you. Bye.